2: Well, welcome in as we have flipped the calendar to the month of October, or is it Locktober? We are here for you on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host, T.J. Reeves. I have enlisted great guests, not just good guests, but great guests to help me. Lots of handicapping, lots of underdog conversation, lots of insight on the worlds of college and NFL football. We'll get to our guests in a little bit, the likes of Ben Maller, the overnight guru of Fox Sports Radio. He rules the overnight sports radio airwaves. We've actually got him awake during the day to talk to him on Three Dog Thursday, uh, in particular about me being out in Los Angeles with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's where Fox Sports Radio is based. That's where Ben lives. And yet, Maller and I couldn't get together. You'll hear that story why. And then the Bucs had to go ahead and thump the Rams while they were in L.A. So Ben and I will be talking about that. Speaking of L.A., that's where the guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast are based. I love coming on with them. They come on with me. We talk about picks, not just underdogs, but they talk about picks against the spread, under over totals. Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast We'll be on the program uh, to make some underdog predictions. Sean, by the way, back for another week after last week, hitting with my Buccaneers against the Rams, hitting with the Jaguars in Denver, covered both underdogs as outright winners. So we'll see what Sean likes for this week on Three Dog Thursday. Anxious to hear his underdogs in a little bit. Then one of my buds from the – again, we're diverse. We're on the left coast with those two guys. Then we go to Memphis, Tennessee, my birthplace, my hometown, where I went back to school and – And I got the opportunity to be around this guy uh, in and around the time that I was in school, have have been in and around him now for the last 25 or 30 years. Love the insight, especially on college football, of Brett Norsworthy, a.k.a. Stats. Stats Norsworthy does over-the-air radio in Memphis, Tennessee, with my buddy Dave Wolosian weekday afternoons. You'll find no... Bigger resource. He's like the Google before Google of college football than Brett Norsworthy. So I'm anxious to talk with him a little college football, a little SEC. Stats has got some strong comments about SEC scheduling, by the way, too. The Southeastern Conference and the college football playoff. He saw Alabama firsthand last week in Tuscaloosa as they whooped up on Ole Miss. He's part of the Ole Miss radio crew. So he saw the Tide and Tua and Nick Saban last week. So I'm anxious to hear... Obviously, what Stats has to say about the tide and about the future of the college football playoff. You've got Auburn and Florida uh, coming up this week. That's in Gainesville, about 90 minutes north of where I'm sitting in west-central Florida. I can tell you up front here, uh, the theme for this week is, I I like the home dog and I'm wondering why are these guys favored. I understand that Auburn beat Oregon on a neutral field. And I understand that Auburn won at Texas A&M. And they had an impressive win last week over Mississippi State. I get that. But the gators at the swamp is a totally different animal. Knockdown, drag out situation. I'm I'm looking strongly at Florida, plus the points. ESPN's College Game Day pre-game show will be there for three hours or four hours or eight hours or however long that show's on now. They'll be there Saturday. I'm anxious to see what Florida can do. That's one of the ones I'm leaning towards, and Stats and I will be talking about that game. SEC slate. he's got an underdog prediction. He's got a non-SEC underdog that may surprise you this week here as part of Three Dog Thursday, so keep listening for that. We will also close the show. Speaking of the Mid-South and that area, these guys are based as well in the Mid-South, the uh, Winning Cures Everything podcast, winningcureseverything.com, their podcast, their YouTube show. Chris Giannini is back with me from Winning Cures. He's got some interesting underdogs uh, this week, some non-SEC underdogs. He also has an NFL uh, doggy or two. We've got college underdogs. We've got pro underdogs. So Chris and Gary do a great job on the Winning Cures podcast. He's here on this show as well, not one, not two, not three, but four different guests giving you insight along with me on all the games and it's nothing but underdog analysis when we go to make the picks that's what we do that's why we do what we do. A reminder, if you're hearing us, however you found us, through a social media link, our friends at Red Circle Podcasting, subscribe to this show. Go to iTunes, go to Google Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to Spotify, find 3Dog Thursday and subscribe so that the podcast comes automatically to you when it's ready on Thursday. You don't have to look forward; it. It dings right on your phone, on your iPhone, on your Android, on your iPad. You'll get an automatic notification. New show is up. If you subscribe. And by the way, go in under iTunes, rate us, review us, because that'll help rank the podcast. More people will be able to see it, find it, and help us promote. So again, find us at Three Dog Thursday, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, and subscribe. Uh, And we've been getting getting lots of feedback. I mean, on this show last week, uh, Gary Seegers of the Winning Cures podcast gave you the Detroit Lions uh, to cover against Kansas City. And I sat on this podcast seven days ago and said that out of the Lions and the Saints, both at home, both with unbeaten teams playing them, Kansas City at Detroit, Dallas at New Orleans, that one or both of those teams would find a way to win. I took the Saints as the team that would win against the Cowboys. They did. Gary took the Lions, who gave Kansas City fits, didn't win but covered, You had both of those if you were with us last week on Three Dog Thursday. So some credibility on our underdog predictions. So keep listening for our guests here and the underdog picks in a little bit. We'll get to the special guests in a couple of moments. Right now, though, a reminder that if you are looking to wager on these games coming up, our friends at MyBookie, our sponsors here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, uh, I can tell you that uh, we've already had some feedback from those that are utilizing MyBookie and the the fans that utilize them are, are always honing in on the same thing. They want to make sure that there's great customer service when they're going and making their picks. You can bet on anything, uh, sports related, on on my bookie from college football, the baseball playoffs this weekend, the NFL. You can bet. Under over totals, you can bet first half lines, and you do it safely, securely through their service, their app at mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, mybookie.ag. And here's the critical thing. You bet, you win, and they pay fast. They pay quickly in under 24 hours uh, for your money to go into your account. And right now, a special offer with our guys at MyBookie. And some of you have already taken advantage of this. I encourage you to do the same. If you have never used them before, they have got a special offer right now. First-time users right here from this podcast, Three Dog Thursday, they'll match Your first deposit, your initial first-ever deposit with them, they'll match it up to $1,000. Hear me clearly. You put $200 in, they'll match it and give you $200 more to gamble with on this college football and NFL weekend. The same with $500 all the way up to $1,000. Put $150 in, put $700 in. Whatever you want to do, bet with my bookie and use the promo code 3DOG. That's the exclusive promo code for 3DOG Thursday. 3dog gets you in for that bonus. They'll they'll double your first deposit up to $1000. Promo code is 3dog. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie and remember that promo code 3dog for the first deposit bonus. Let's get to our guests. Let's get to the conversation. I had a blast last weekend in LA. You're going to hear more about that right now straight ahead as 3dog Thursday continues. It has been far too long since I have figuratively gotten the chance to mix it up with the man that owns overnights on Fox Sports Radio and elsewhere. He owns the airwaves. He's in the air everywhere. I used to love saying that when I would fill in for Ben Maller on his own show (laughs) on Fox Sports Radio. The Ben Maller of the Ben Maller Show. How you been, brother?
1: Well, TJ, I, I am flattered to be here, and uh, I want you to know that uh, I, I was very upset because uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a chance to see you here we last go. week. Here
2: we go. You were in LA,
1: and i, I uh, it's completely my fault. Well, I, I did not, you know, I, I, uh, I knew you had worked for the Buccaneers. Right. And I didn't even put two and two together. And then I saw the schedule. You had texted me, and I was like, ah! And uh, it didn't work out. But the
2: much. problem, you know, the thing I, I, that the audience has got to understand is Ben has got people, he's in Hollywood, you know, he's, he's somebody, he's important. <laughs> I couldn't get my people with his people to get on his schedule, to get on his list, uh, all I know yeah. is I was trying to see if you were going to be at the Rams Buccaneers game at the L.A. Coliseum, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, as Keith Jackson would call it. Uh, you were not there. <laughs> However, you need to know that they had a special spot reserved for you with velvet ropes, uh, with the rose petals, with an adult <laughs> beverage that did say Ben Maller. And and no one occupied it in the press box that day. You were not there, but they were thinking of you Sunday.
1: Well, that that is outrageous, and uh, TJ, I, I think that was your first time at the Coliseum. Correct. So what did you think of the L.A. Memorial renovated? <laughs> renovated L.A. Memorial Coliseum. They put some uh, lipstick on the pig there yes. at the Coliseum. Well,
2: what's interesting is they, they pay homage to all the USC football players with all the murals everywhere and the paint. They they have slight homage to the Rams in certain areas. I saw no Ben Maller homage at the Coliseum. we got to get your people here. We go again to work on this, Ben Maller.
1: I know, It's clearly an oversight by the people that renovated the Coliseum, it's a bad job by them, TJ, but uh, yeah, that's, that's USC Stadium, the, the Rams, they can't wait for the Rams to get out of there, because they're moving to Inglewood, uh, in, in the hood in Inglewood uh, next year, or so it's just uh, a couple more games, and they'll be gone.
2: Oh, how about that? Uh, okay, speaking of get in and be gone, tell me the truth mighty national uh overnight host when you saw 14 nothing 21 nothing and maybe you were watching the game or just seeing the red zone or just seeing the score i'm down on the sideline ben and part of me is going is this really happening i i think for a lot of football america a lot of people in the los angeles market they were doing the double take and saying is this really happening bucks beating the defending nfc champs 21 nothing in the first half
1: well, I mean, it's obviously it was shocking. I mean, I, now to be fair, TJ, I actually had the Buccaneers keeping the game close. There we go. The, uh, there we go. Gambling. I like
3: it. I like it. From a
1: gambling standpoint, uh, from a gambling standpoint, I thought the game would be close, but uh, you know, to, to see the Buccaneers dominate that way and and to take advantage of Jared Goff and his lethargic play—I mean, they they were all over They they were more physical the the Buccaneers they out competed the Rams and uh not that tough and the Buccaneers were the the tougher team uh in that game and and, you know listen Jameis Winston I've ripped him from time to time on the overnight show because he's not consistent but uh, you know we saw him uh, on full display there how good Jameis Winston can be but he doesn't do it every week and so that's That's the problem. But, yeah, it was uh, was the greatest offensive effort in Buccaneers history. I don't know how it gets better than that. You hang a double nickel on the Rams. that uh, That is insane.
2: I joked on uh, on another podcast that I host with Buccaneers uh, fans on the Nothing But Bucks podcast that nobody as Sammy Hagar uh, sang and we know this very famously I can't drive 55 because you and I are contemporaries of the 80s and 90s. No one in L.A. can drive 55 on the interstates because of the traffic. It's a joke, but the Bucks got to 55 Sunday in L.A. Uh, with the game there um, against the Rams. So. Uh, Look, I I know you're in and around that market um, doing the national thing. The the Rams are obviously very talented and and have got a lot of offensive weapons. I I wonder if this is a wake-up call for the defense, or maybe is it a sign that they are damaged and others are going to be able to exploit that defense the way that Jameis Winston did?
1: Well, it actually started last year against the Lions, uh, and, and they had problems against Matt Patricia, and then teams uh, kind of copied that. The Patriots had a lot of success uh, in the Super Bowl, and so you know now it's up to Sean McVay and, and the Rams to adjust because Jared Goff, he is starting to play like the guy that, you know, I know he had 500 yards, but that was you know, <laughs> misleading because of all the turnovers and all that, but... Uh, you know, he's becoming the guy that he had been under Jeff Fisher the last 12 games. Uh, I believe he's got 12 interceptions. The last nine games, uh, he's got 12 interceptions, a bunch of fumbles, and uh, it's just not sustainable. You cannot win like that. But, uh, you know, listen, the, the Buccaneers did a great job. The Rams, even though they were 3-0, and uh, there were a lot of shaky moments to get to 3-0, and but I, I am not, you know. Even though I like to do "sky is falling," radio TJ, I do not believe the Rams are now going to cuddle up into the fetal position and start sucking their thumb uh, that it's over. And they have an opportunity this week to come back and and, and gut out a win uh, in Seattle. And the problem here is you've got Todd Gurley. And you saw him; you were right there on the field, uh, TJ. Uh, he's not anywhere near the player he had been. They're hoping he'll get back to that, but that's typically what happens in basketball where you do load management. That doesn't normally work in football. Uh, I mean, this, this would be unprecedented if Todd Gurley all of a sudden, you know, after you know, five or six or seven games, uh, becomes good. So he uh, appears to be the, uh, the glass man. So they have legitimate problems. I don't think the defense is actually that bad. I know it sounds crazy to say that after they gave up 55 points but the Rams had actually played some pretty good defense better than they had been at times last year the first couple games the problem had been on the offense
2: well and it uh, and it was a problem just for a week they are 3 and 1 they have the Seahawks at the time that we're talking right now on 3 Dog Thursday you may be listening to Ben Maller and me after uh Thursday night and already know that the Rams were great or they were terrible in Seattle we'll find out uh, as that game is is being played, and as the weekend unfolds here, but I love I love Sky is Falling Radio again. As I as I mentioned, I was in my car driving home uh, after arriving from L.A. wee hours of the morning Eastern Time, and I was checking out the Ben Maller show. And you were you were more disgusted with the uh, with the Rams uh, than you were giving. Uh, the Buccaneers credit. I almost called in. I almost had to call in as a caller and, and prop up the Buccaneers, but I, I did not. You cracked me up. I laughed out loud uh, driving uh, driving north to my uh, northern suburb uh, residence. Uh, when, you, when you started mentioning about the Clippers and Media Day and Media Day being on a Sunday during NFL games, do you go to the Clippers and sit around and see the Clippers or do you watch the NFL? I choose the NFL. I love that when you were talking about that. Just yeah, a little yeah, yeah. Media World problem.
1: So, well, thank you for listening. I appreciate that you sure called in. You know, your your old producer, Yes, Loop, uh, yes. worked with you as he is my producer, and uh, we we actually talked about you. I, I told the story the other day about how you know I I, I wanted to go to the Ram game and see TJ a you know, part of the Fox Sports Radio <laughs> Alumni Association and all that, and and, uh, and I totally uh, screwed that up, but. Uh, but yeah, you should have called in. And, and uh, but but you know how I am wired as a talk show host, TJ. I learned early on when I was a radio reporter, the better story is in the losing locker room. So if Tampa had lost the game, I would have talked more about the Buccaneers and all that. But but uh, the, the the real drama. Is typically in the losing locker room because that's where you know look 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 what has happened here since the Rams lost the game. People are pointing fingers; they all (laughs) suck. Uh, There's a lot of misery and and worry and all this stuff. Mercury's in retrograde and all that other stuff. So, uh, you know that that's where I find the drama. But listen, the Bucks played a fine game, and if Jameis Winston can bottle that and play just partially as good. Uh, the Buccaneers will be a playoff contender all year. I I, I, I am skeptical that he can do that, but he was wonderful.
2: He was. This guy's wonderful, too. A couple more minutes. Ben Maller, the Ben Maller Show Overnight's Fox Sports Radio. That is 11 to 3 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, He lords over the overnight airwaves. Love that. Love his insight. Uh, all the talk in Los Angeles is they're going to fire Clay Helton. Have you put your name in for the USC head coaching job? Uh, are your people in touch with, I guess, Lynn Swan's on his way out. I don't know who you would talk. You can't talk to Lori Loughlin. she's She's on trial. You can't talk to her. You can't talk to Lynn Swan. Yeah. Are you going to get the USC job?
1: No, I think what they're going to do is uh, they're going to find a way to bring back Vince Lombardi and have him coach, or uh, or maybe, I guess well, I guess the better uh, analogy would be uh, John McKay, the old... Uh, right, the Bucs late... And, uh, and Buccaneers coach. coach,
2: right, USC and Buccaneers That's coach, right?
1: right. Yeah, bring back... Boy, imagine if John McKay was alive today with all of his... Quotes. I remember when I was a kid watching uh, NFL <laughs> film and John McKay was coaching those horrible Buccaneers teams with the, the creamsicle uniforms, and he was a quote machine. <laughs> I mean, he was awesome with the media and all that, and and uh, ahead of his time. But coach, but no, I, you know, you
2: coach, what bad. do you think about your team's execution? I'm in favor of it. That's that was the <laughs> oh, <moment. I> mean, <laughs> all yeah, time. I mean, it
1: was it was. Ho- it, it was hilarious. He was, uh, I think Dick Vermeule named him Dialer quote, uh, that, that was, I mean, he, uh, he, he said, uh, what do you think? Uh, so my favorite McKay, McKay quotes. he said, kickers are like horse manure. They're all over the place, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, which is often amusing. And, uh, yeah, the execution one is the gold standard. Oh there.
2: yeah.
1: And, uh, And, uh,
2: yeah, that's part of it. Well, during the the famed 0-26 Buccaneer run of the first two years, 76 and 77, I know we're going in the way back, but they're the only NFL team to lose its first 26 games, he just got tired of answering about losing. And so after one of those losses the second year, and somebody asked him about it, he said, well, we've established we cannot win on the road. We've established that we cannot win at home. We're now petitioning for the neutral sites the remainder of the year. Just do something besides whatever it is that we're doing uh that was uh that was hey i was there while we digress i was there as a kid uh, as a fan the first year we moved to tampa florida was monday night football bucks packers howard cosell one of his final games it may have been his final game on monday night football 1983 season the Buccaneers score what is apparently the go ahead game winning touchdown in the final seconds in a nine to three game. Score the touchdown and the kicker, a, form, a former Florida State kicker, Ben Maller, Bill Capice. Bill yeah. Capice yanked the extra point, no good, in, in buck fashion. Go to overtime, lose. Jan Stennerrude kicks the field goal, the Hall of Famer for the Packers. So McKay comes into the press conference after the game, first question out of the box, what about the missed extra point? And he says, right now, Capice is kaput. That's it. He's gone. And so he cut, he cut Bill Capice in the press conference. Capice is kaput. Ben Maller, just so you know. Uh, Quote machine is is right. Hey, just real quick, what is USC going to do? They got to find a big name, don't they? I mean, uh, Clay Helton is not a name that makes everybody jump up and down, and if he's losing games, don't they have to to find a signature name somehow, yeah. some way.
1: Well, I mean, everyone says Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer. He's the top guy and all that. I, I am skeptical. USC and you—you you referenced some of this with the athletic director out. There's also all kinds of lawsuits uh, against USC right now. It is not a smooth time for the University of Southern California. They got Notre Dame coming up, uh, not this weekend, but the weekend after, and uh, likely will lose. Uh, that game, the way they're playing right now. So they don't know if their fourth quarterback. Who knows who will be back uh, for that game. But but I, I would say Urban Meyer's a long shot, even though he's been tied to that job. Uh, the uh, the amount of money he's going to want, and he's got a lot of baggage also. I know he's the big name, the jewel, the, the one you want. But I would keep an eye on a former NFL coach, Jack Del Rio, who's got ties
2: to the mm. like
1: dark horse. Yep. Kind of a Pete
2: Carroll type
1: guy, uh, TJ NFL experience, uh, coached a couple different teams in the NFL, a former USC guy, and you know that's it's tribalism, right? All these schools they want to hire people if they could that played at those uh, those schools. They've already gone through all of the Pete Carroll coaching tree. There's no one left. They (laughs) they had Lane Kiffin, (laughs) they had Sarkeesian. uh, Sarkeesian, right, right. uh, yeah, unless and, and they like bring back Norm Chow, who I don't think is coaching anymore. And, and,
2: and Orgeron was the interim, right? Orgeron was the interim, and they got yeah. rid of him for Clay Helton. They took Clay Helton instead, so... Uh, yeah, I, I agree on that, Trend. You make a great point about Del Rio because all he's done is won everywhere that he's been in Jacksonville with the Oakland Raiders, got them into the playoffs, uh, helped the Broncos win a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator, um, helped them, uh, hold the fort down or at least be a playoff team in and around that time. So, or at least be in the Super Bowl. So, Del Rio is an interesting choice if that's what USC chooses to do. And, uh, and we'll see, uh, what happens. I still think they should consider Ben Meller to come down there and call play. I would fly back to Bam. L.A. and watch a USC home game with Ben Maller on the sideline with the headset on. Well, uh, you know,
1: as you know, T.J., being paid so much to do overnight, <laughs> I would, you know, I'd have to get a lot of money hey, to leave the job I have.
2: As you and I have joked that. and we've hosted shows on Fox Sports Radio together, we're both in this for the money, obviously. That's why we're in radio. It's, it's yeah. obvious we're in this for the money. Uh, well, and, and
1: it's the fame—it's uh, it's, it's all the glory that we either that in
2: either that we're in it for the food coupons and the free T-shirts. I think that's the other alternative <laughs> we're in radio for. Well, uh, well, yeah, that's the
1: that's the parallel universe that we actually live in. But, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> all right. So the universe that I live in—great segue words—is uh, the Three Dog Thursday podcast where we pick underdogs. So I'm not going to ask you for three of them. Give me one that you really like in particular in the NFL. Uh, in looking over this week's games, do you have one that stands out on the weekend here for an underdog and why real quick
1: uh well the one you know i've started to look at the games and and i actually do a podcast myself uh ben uh, where i put benny versus the penny on there the fifth hour uh when you're done with this podcast you should listen to my
2: podcast there you go there
1: you Uh, go i started that a couple weeks ago but shameless plug uh, but I, I have my eye on Jacksonville. They played much better with Gary Minshew the last couple of weeks. They uh, they've really been very uh, uber competitive. Carolina, it's a battle of backup quarterbacks, and I like Kyle Allen, the backup for Carolina. But uh, I'm a big uh, Minshew mania guy. How about this uh, guy? Yeah, I mean Gary Minshew's been very consistent. He hasn't been great, but he's been good. And he hasn't turned the ball over. He, he's so accurate. Mike Leach at Washington State talked about how accurate uh, this guy is. And I, I thought he was just blowing smoke, but he, he is. I, I believe he's thrown the fewest or lowest percentage of, of bad throws. Mm-hmm. Of any quarterback in the NFL, I mean, which is just stunning. He's Gary Minshew for God's sakes? But well, uh, they they I, I
2: could I, they I, could I, have I, gotten a two point conversion against Houston and could be three and one right now. He did play well in the Thursday night win over the Titans, and he led them back at the Broncos. And I know Justin Cooper will probably hear this podcast at some point. Yes, your Broncos are zero and four because of Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars beating them in Mile High and now you like the Jags coming back home where Carolina comes in yeah. with the rookie quarterback, nasty defense, Jacksonville getting points at home. Very interesting on that one.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know it's obviously Carolina. You're getting three and a half if you take Jacksonville, and I, I think this will be a close game. So, I mean, you, there's obviously two ways you can win. I think Jacksonville should win the game outright, but you, know, you figure it's a fourth-quarter game. It will likely be decided by a field goal, and as long as you get that, that hook on there, that three and a uh, <laughs> got to take Jacksonville.
2: There you uh, go. I actually misspoke. It is in Charlotte. My bad. It's the middle of the week, and, and Ben and I are both punchy already. Uh, it, it is actually in Charlotte for Jacksonville, but Minshew Mania, uh, he was not fazed by the mile-high crowd. Let's see if that is if that is the case coming up. Again, I love talking with you. He's a great follow on Twitter, uh, Ben Maller, and the Ben Maller Show again overnight, and it's on demand. If you're not able to listen in the middle of the night, it's also on demand through Fox Sports Radio and the iHeart uh, Radio app and iHeart Podcasting that you can hear his show. Uh, I'm thoroughly entertained, and and look, there's going to be several occasions here where I'm going to be checking you out because we're flying back and we're back in the middle of the night, and I'm up sometimes in the middle of the night. I look forward to more of the pontification of the Ben Maller Show, uh, breaking it all down uh, and having fun while doing it and your wacky callers and the whole bit. I know you enjoy it, uh, and I enjoy hearing it, and I want more people to come find you on Fox Sports Radio, my friend.
1: Well, TJ, you were very kind. Uh, I appreciate that. That was one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> uh, so, so thank you for that, and you do a great job. A Big fan of your work. I loved working with you at Fox back in the day, and I, you're dominating the Buccaneers. Oh, and yes. To have you.
2: So, uh, so thank you. I appreciate it. There is Ben Maller. Ben, thank you. The next time I'm, I'm in L.A., hopefully you won't ignore me. Thank you, Ben Maller. <laughs> Still to come on Three Dog Thursday, the Sports Gambling Podcast. Very successful handicapping podcast. Sean Green is going to be with me coming up. We'll also hear from Brent Norsworthy, a.k.a. Stats. Loves the facts and figures in college football. Stats out of the Memphis radio market. I'll be here to talk SEC and more. And also, Chris Giannini will be here. Winning Cures Everything podcast with Underdog Predictions. Those guys do a great job with the Winning Cures Everything podcast. Those guests still to come. A reminder, 3-Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. If you're looking to go to these college football games this weekend, whether it's that Florida-Auburn game at the Swamp, uh, whether it is the upcoming Iowa-Michigan game at the Big House, the early game in and arbor we'll be talking more about that with brett norsworthy a little bit later on uh oregon and stanford uh doing battle in outson stadium in eugene if it's a college football game all across the country you can look for the best seats on vivid seats and the vivid seats mobile app and we've got a special promo code offer for that as well use the promo code thursday for three dog thursday thursday and the number 10 Promo code THURSDAY10 takes 10% off your order, up to 50 bucks. So if you're looking for those great seats, those hard-to-find tickets, this can be on NFL Sunday uh, as well, wherever the games are. From New England uh, to Dallas, the Cowboys playing the Packers this weekend at AT&T Stadium. Uh, on and on down the list, the Giants and the Vikings I'm going to be talking about a little bit later on. If you're looking for tickets at the Meadowlands, I'll be at the Superdome for the Saints and the Buccaneers this weekend. Get your tickets through Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app, and a first-time user can take 10% off. If you've never used it before, guys, I use Vivid Seats all the time. It takes less than five minutes to sign up, look for your tickets, and buy them. I kid you not, it will not take you five minutes to use their app Find your tickets and buy them and use that promo code THURSDAY10 to take 10% off your initial order. If you're a first-time user, take 10% off. THURSDAY10 is the promo code there with Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do roll along. It is the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs in college football and the NFL. The pooches were good to us last week, so much so we are rolling out the figurative red carpet once again for Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast, who came through with not one but two NFL underdogs last week. We were scoring all over the place. I had UCLA uh, on uh, Sunday. Came through with the New Orleans Saints on Sunday night. Uh, we had another guest, our buddy Gary Seegers, Winning Cures Everything podcast. He had the Detroit Lions. So it's not as if we're just firing out picks that end up flaming out here. We were doing pretty well. Sean Green is with me. How you feeling here as we head towards another week?
3: Great, man. Yeah, you know... Uh anytime the dogs have a good week it's usually a good week for me and uh yeah it felt like we were kind of going chalky there for a little bit in the nfl so nice to see the dogs having their day and uh you know in the nfl a lot of them if you like a dog don't be afraid to put a little on that money line because a lot of times when they win they win outright as well so
2: love all of that i love by the way getting the chance to break bread literally with this guy Last week, Sean is based in Southern California, and so I was out there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who hung 55 points on the LA Rams. Ooh. I think if I ever come back to LA with the Buccaneers, I know who I'm having dinner with again, because we're just going <laughs> to repeat the pattern after what happened. Uh, last week and you were on the bucks on this very podcast on your sports gambling podcast on your own podcast but you were on the bucks on this podcast last week and and as that scoreboard continued to light up 21 nothing 38 20 45 27 I'm going wow on the sideline you had to be going wow with your underdog pick.
3: Oh yeah I mean I, I thought the number was way too high. I thought they were gonna be in that game. I, I thought that uh, the Rams had kind of been overvalued. Jared Goff had quietly struggled. Uh, their defensive line had some issues, but I didn't see it being 55 to 40. I'll be honest, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that score coming. But uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a wild game.
2: Well, and Jameis Winston gets NFC Offensive Player of the Week honors uh, midweek. He was lights out. And I know you give up 40 points to the Rams. You can't talk a lot about the Bucks defense, but they did get four takeaways like you referenced there. They got three first-half interceptions on Jared Goff or a two in the first half one early on in the second half that really swung around the momentum of the game and then of course the sack fumble only fitting that Indomakong Sue who the Rams yeah. gave up on picks up the fumble in the LA Coliseum and runs it in kind of a Hollywood rumbling oh, stumbling rumbling stumbling and, and scoring a touchdown and making a happy post game show for everybody including TJ live on the radio uh, on that um all right Shaq so,
3: Barrett, though. yeah Shaq, okay give me
2: give me an outside point of view Shaq Barrett right now there's an argument that can be made he's the biggest steal of free agency in the entire NFL Sean Green
3: yeah yeah I was gonna say Shaq Barrett's got my vote for uh defensive player of the year right now it's uh I mean I was I, I thought it was a nice pickup but I didn't see this season coming uh for him and uh yeah he's just been dominating that line and not only getting sacks, making, you know, big plays. And uh, it's, it, that's what's great about the NFL. The Bucks go from losing a heartbreaker at home to the struggling Giants to then going across the country winning outright <laughs> as a 9.5-point dog against the NFC champs.
2: Well, uh, last year, it is. That's why,
3: the, that's why the NFL's amazing. It's,
2: well, it's two things. It's why the NFL is amazing, and it's why we go out of our minds trying to figure out how to pick these games and against the number, and <laughs> some of it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Again, to refer uh, to your credibility, last week you came on this podcast and you said Jacksonville Jaguars in Denver. Now, truth be told, they were down for a bunch of the game and down by more than 10 points for a bunch of the game. But just like the Bucks-Rams game, it's a 60-minute game and you had to hang in there to the very end. You had to hang in there to the very end with the Jaguars and the... Uh, the hype the legend of Gardner Minshew continues Minshew mania in North Florida continues with the comeback late driving him down into field goal range Josh Lambeau kicked the game-winning field goal why did you have such belief in the Jaguars there at mile high Sean
3: yeah I mean it was it, I guess it was a combination of kind of liking this Jags team uh liking what I've seen at of Gardner Minshew uh always liked it I think there. Sometimes they just don't seem to factor in that Thursday extra rest into the line, and when it was at three and a half, I just didn't think that that extra rest was factored in for the Jags. And uh, there's something's wrong with this uh, Broncos team. Uh, I thought their defense would be way better than it has. They they showed up a little bit the Broncos defense, but man, there's just something off about this team right now, and they just find ways to lose. On our pregame periscope that we stream at Gambling Podcast. I uh, I nailed this prediction because I said, don't be surprised if this game is similar to the Bears-Broncos game uh, a couple of weeks back. And it turned out to be very similar where the Broncos drive down, get up late, and then uh, give up the game winning field goal. So something's not right in Denver. I can't quite put my finger on it. All I know is uh, I want to be on the other side of it right now.
2: How about that? Well, and Vic Fangio, who's been a long, long long-time NFL assistant and defensive coordinator, is the first-year head coach, and he's a defensive guy, obviously. So the fact that they are struggling... Uh, to put teams away. I mean, you have, as you mentioned, two opportunities against the Bears and the Jaguars to win one or both of those games by simply stopping the opponent from getting a field goal and couldn't do it either time in the clutch at home. Not good uh, for the Broncos. All right, so a little taste of the NFL. We'll get to a couple of NFL underdogs from Sean in a moment or two. Let's start first with the college football uh, for this weekend. And uh, where do you want to go for an underdog? Let's have a quick conversation on an underdog that you like and why. Go ahead.
3: Well, why don't we head out over to uh, Morgantown and uh, look at this West Virginia team. The, I think right now the spread is uh, what 11, so 11 and 20, a
2: half, something like that. Right.
3: Yeah. I think I, I think I already bet it last night at 11 and a half. Uh, I love this West Virginia team at home in a, in a big spot. And uh, Morgantown is always a sneaky road trip for these uh, big 12 teams. But really for me, this is a kind of a bet against Texas because it's a clear look ahead spot for them right They're They're already looking ahead next week, thinking about the red river shootout or red river rivalry as uh, you're supposed to say now, but it's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> I think they're, I, I think they're looking ahead. I, I think they're going to try, I don't, you know, they're, they're college kids. I think it's easy to look past this uh, West Virginia team, but uh, this is a huge game for West Virginia, and I think they'll be up for it.
2: All right, so I've I've got same mutual interest in this one. I I like the Mountaineers here too. That is just too many points to me for them at home. Austin Kendall good as a quarterback. They're coming off a bye week as well. Uh, Sean, you mentioned the rest previously about the Jaguars. That helps. And and look, I know it's a different coaching staff. Neil Brown, first year as coach at West Virginia. Dana Holgerson previously. But the Mountaineers had covered three of the last four times, including a couple of outright wins against Texas. I know Texas and Tom Herman won in Morgantown two years ago. That's the one obviously where uh, West Virginia was favored, didn't cover, lost the game outright. But something just I, I I agree with you. That's too many points at home. Saturday afternoon, hostile place to play. I like West Virginia to keep it close. If not, win that game and hang in there in the Big 12. And you make a great point. I've been previously to the Texas-Oklahoma game at the State Fair of Texas there in Dallas. Get you a corny dog. Get you one of those funnel cakes, (laughs) an adult beverage, and then usually watch Oklahoma beat the crap out of Texas. But you know, in recent years, Texas kind of hung in. Maybe they are looking ahead to the Godzilla matchup with Oklahoma. Maybe they're going to be caught looking ahead Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, how could he not, right? I mean, Oklahoma's just destroying everyone right now. Jalen Hurts, you know, looking strong for the Heisman. Uh, I think, how could he not be thinking about next week?
2: Okay, We'll we'll see. You and I in agreement. West Virginia and Texas, that one, a 3.30 Eastern time, 12.30 in the West, Uh, game uh, there in that one. I want to talk to you about another one, Florida and Auburn. You're not going to take the Gators as an underdog here, but size this matchup up with Auburn already two huge SEC wins, one of them at Texas A&M. Gators had the early season win over Miami. They blew out Tennessee a couple of weeks ago last week, tune-up game with Towson out of the FCS. What do you make of this showdown? ESPN College game day pregame is there uh, for Saturday. What do you make of it? Gators, Auburn, and the Swamp.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it should be a good game. You know, I, I definitely didn't see this out of uh, Bo Nix uh, when the season started. He's definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought he would struggle a little bit, uh, you know, as a first-year guy. Um, but, yeah, Florida – Again, I think they're uh, they a home dog. Should be an interesting spot for them. Feels like a, a big get up game, and uh, you know, but Auburn has been uh, surprisingly good on the road as well. So, I guess I've been surprised at what I've seen. Uh, of Auburn, but you definitely think Florida will be in this game.
2: And again, the backup quarterback who's there now for the rest of the year is Kyle Trask, Felipe Franks with a broken foot. I did see this stat a little while ago, and feel free to use this uh, as your own uh, because we all love sharing information and, and, you know, in a lot of cases act like we're really smart. Uh, Florida's strength (laughs) of schedule nationally, Sean Green, coming into this weekend is 36 based on their opponents that they've played because that includes Miami and Tennessee. Their strength of schedule the rest of the way is uno, number one, because they have Auburn, they have LSU, they have Georgia, so it is not going to be easy (laughs) for the Gators, starting with this one, and they better take advantage uh, of the home games. I thought that was interesting that they have the number one strength of schedule of the remaining games uh, over the course of the next eight, nine weeks. Of the college football season. I, I want to ask you before we move to the NFL in a moment with Sean Green, Sports Gambling Podcast. Find them um, uh, online at the SportsGamblingPodcast.com, uh, Gambling Podcast on Twitter. You can find their podcast wherever you find podcasts iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Look for them, Sports Gambling Podcast. He and Ryan do a great job with uh, all of their insight and all of their predictions. Oregon Cal. I got a little West Coast bias because I was out there last weekend with you. I just I wonder, uh, Washington uh, took a loss to Arizona State, or, or Cal took a loss to Arizona State. Washington has a loss to Cal. Oregon has the loss to Auburn. I think a lot of the country has written the Pac-12 off. Sean is a possible college football playoff uh, contender. Would the conference champion with one loss have a chance to get in the mix? Oregon at home with Cal... Oregon may be that team. Only loss is to Auburn in the opening game of the season. D- is the Pac-12 still alive, Sean, for the college football playoff? I hope so, right? Because uh, you know, just as a as a fan of diversity
3: and mixing things up, it'd be great to see a Pac-12 team in the college football playoff, and it'd be great to see Pac-12 football relevant. I mean, UCLA, God knows what's going on there wazoo i I love coach leach but a, a couple tough losses there for uh their program and uh oregon was like the lone bright spot i had them as a as a dark horse candidate going into the season as a uh someone who might sneak in that fourth spot there for the college football playoff i think what needs to happen is they need to win out and uh they need a little bit of help i mean if clemson uh, would have lost, and that game got really close last week. If they would have lost, that would have been huge. Uh, you know, they need a little bit of help from the big SEC teams to maybe beat up on each other, uh, maybe a crazy upset in there, and to win out. Um, I think it's just going to be tough because people aren't super high on their conference. But I think if they, if they win out, they dominate in the Pac-12 championship, and they get a little bit of help. I still think there's a shot that they get in there.
2: And again Oregon playing on their schedule here uh against Cal, they later in the year play at Washington, they play at USC, they play at Arizona State. That and all of those situations you would look at that and say, "Hey, that's a quality road win if you can get them." I don't know if it will be enough, but at least they will be in the conversation if they were to finish 12 and 1 with a Pac-12 championship having won those significant games. Let's wait and see. Well, especially what happens?
3: The, uh... I mean, especially if their only loss is that Auburn game. Right. I mean, man, they, 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 that that's going to be so frustrating.
2: Well, especially if hypothetically Auburn were to go ahead and win the SEC, let's say. And so then that's your only yeah. losses to the SEC champs. You would have an argument. A lot of football left to be played over the course of the next eight, nine, ten weeks. Uh, but, but we'll see if the Pac-12 hangs around. All right. So as I've already teased... Pay attention, Three Dog Thursday audience. This man was two for two last week with his underdogs in the NFL. What do you like? Give me one for this week. Where and why?
3: Well, I'm going to start off with the uh, Green Bay Packers catching uh, three and a half points against the Dallas Cowboys. I love this Packers team coming off a loss. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, listen, there's a reason he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I love the fact that they're getting extra rest. My Eagles came into Green Bay, won a super physical game, kind of pushed them around. But, uh, I I mean, they're going to be up for this game. Aaron Rodgers' career, he's done very well in Dallas. Um, This team is a team that can travel. I think their defense is – they got kind of picked apart a little bit. Um, So, I guess that's one concern is Dallas' running game against this uh, Green Bay defense, which has struggled against the run. However, I think they're going to load the box – forced Dak to beat him um the Cowboys receivers a little banged up I think I think that's the game plan going in and I just love Aaron Rodgers in that uh in that I mean against the Cowboys and especially in Dallas he's had a great track record there and uh I think he's going to be chomping at the bit to get a win after that tough loss Thursday night and again they got that extra rest so I think it's a good situational spot for the Packers Uh, against the Cowboys team that finally faced a real team last week in the Saints. And uh, it lost to a team who didn't score a touchdown. So I I think there's some issues on this Cowboys offense um, that – that the Packers' defense will be able to match up against.
2: Yeah, I can't really figure out how good was the Saints' defense, and again, you know this, I will see the Saints firsthand in the Superdome Sunday, Buccaneers and Saints Sunday afternoon prior to that Green Bay-Dallas game. How good was the Saints' defense against Zeke, against Ezekiel, and how much of it was the Cowboy offensive line just struggling, period, to get the run game going? We'll see if Green Bay can slow him down the same way, or will Zeke be back to being Zeke? in that matchup. You don't think so. You think it's the Packers in that one. All right, second underdog for you, sir.
3: Well, I'm going to take the uh, Indianapolis Colts catching 11 points. Wow. uh, Yeah, it's a similar mindset to why I like the Tampa Bay Bucks. I I think last week it was just too many points. Like, If you're getting double digits in the NFL, you have to kind of be a bad team. And Even though the Bucs lost at home against the Giants, I didn't think they were a bad team. And even though this Colts team lost at home against the Raiders, I don't think they're a bad team. Yes, they're banged up, but it looks like they're going to get Darius Leonard back. I'm pretty sure Marlon Mack is a go as well. Look for T.Y. Hilton to play. Um, They're going to be thin at safety, which is something you don't want to be against this Kansas City Chiefs uh, offense, who is, again, they're kind of coming back. Granted, they won against the Lions, but you certainly feel – uh, Patrick Mahomes is due for a bounce back game coming off a one touchdown performance. However, what I'll say is I think this Colts offense is going to be able to put up some points against this chief's defense, especially late. Uh, if it gets to that Frank Reich again, very good coach. Mm. He's kind of a, uh, he's a branch off Doug Peterson coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. Uh, so I think he'll be able to scheme up some stuff for this Colts team to move the ball, put up some points, uh, Again, I I think the Colt will put up 24 points, 28 points, and that should be enough for the cover. Uh, I I would definitely look to play the over here as well. But uh, I think having Darius Leonard back is going to be huge. Uh, He isn't officially in yet. However, he's been working out. He's in the weight room, which is usually a good sign that he's going to – you know, he's moved along enough in the concussion protocol to play. So I think he's a go. Even though Mac was limited in the second half, I think that was just the coaching staff being careful because uh, the medical staff did clear him. So big game Sunday night. I think he will be a go. And uh, T.Y. Hilton, again, I, you know, the quad injuries and back and forth. But I think Sunday night football, he's going to try and make it a go as well.
2: We'll see if he can play. He did not play last week. Uh, And again, Jacoby Brazette has been good. He is shutting a lot of people up with the way that he's playing, and you mentioned Frank Reich. He's like the quarterback whisperer because he was working in Philadelphia with the quarterbacks uh, as well as the offensive coordinator with Wentz and with Nick Foles in and around that Super Bowl team. Uh, And then, you know, this is a playoff rematch from last year where Cincinnati had trouble putting Indianapolis away, or I'm sorry, Kansas City had trouble putting Indianapolis away. Now, granted, that's Andrew Luck having played previously in that playoff game, but yeah, this will be and Tyreek Hill allegedly practicing, not necessarily going to play, but in limited practice now with the injured uh clavicle, the injured collarbone uh, that he has. So don't know that he will play this week. May not play for another week or two, but he's back at least trying to do some stuff in practice. We'll see for Kansas City. And for Indianapolis. All right, so I am I am really leaning heavily. Do you want to talk me out of New York Giants against the Vikings? It's kind of following a pattern uh, <laughs> on on why is this team favored on the road? Why are the Vikings favored by four and a half or five on the road against the Giants, who've looked really good, especially offensively, two games in a row? Do you want to talk me out of that? Or do you think the Vikings are going to uh, waltz into the Meadowlands there and thump the Giants? Am I am I that off base?
3: uh no you're you're not off base so here's where i'm at last week my lock uh on the podcast it wasn't a dog it was the uh the bears who ended up closing as a pick but uh i love them going up i love the chicago defense going up against kirk cousins kirk cousins truly struggles uh against defenses i don't think this giants team is a good defense and the way you beat the vikings is you jam up dalvin cook and you force kirk cousins to throw downfield and I mean you heard Adam Thielen at postgame he was like hey at some point we have to be able to throw the deep ball uh,
2: <laughs>
3: I love how he said I love how he said on oh, behalf we, of all you know, of I'm my
2: here. fantasy owners it ain't me look at the other guy yeah exactly
3: <laughs> I love how also how he said oh, we it's like when uh my wife says uh, we have to clean the garage <laughs> <laughs>
2: We, we. I, know what we, I we, know what we mean. We have to make sure that the kids are taken care of for this weekend. Yes, exactly. That I means you. <laughs> yeah. uh, but apparently exactly. Cousins cousins has made nice-nice with Thielen, and maybe they can get him the football some. Uh, maybe not. But, uh, again, Daniel Jones played very well. I know it's the Redskins, but he played very well last week. I, I don't see a reason. I know Minnesota's defense is better, but I don't see a reason to go against the Giants at home here. So... Um, Yeah, I mean,
3: uh, you're probably right. The number is probably too high. Uh, I guess I would say the matchup that would concern me if I was taking the Giants plus six and a half is the Giants' defense um, being able to stop Dalvin Cook. And once Dalvin Cook gets going, he's a physical runner, I think that can take some gas out of the Giants' defense. Uh, If they can control time of possession, keep Daniel Jones and the Giants Uh, from being on the field keep them out of rhythm i think that's their formula uh to win and probably cover but again you're probably right that the number's too high but i I don't know if i'm quite taking the giants there
2: about that all right this man does a great job the sports gambling podcast he and ryan are on that podcast every week with all of their different shows tell the audience more on how they hear you sir well
3: yeah just check us out on uh itunes we're big on spotify now uh, I mean, just throw it in Google, Sports Gambling Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. We just hit uh, 10,000 followers on Twitter, at Gambling Podcast. And then, uh, yeah, we've been doing a bunch of fun videos on YouTube and uh, Instagram, and we're both Sports Gambling Podcast on there as well.
2: about that? Find these guys. I always love Sean Green. He is Sean T. Green by the way, on uh, Twitter if you want to follow him socially as well with the underdog picks. He's going west by God, Virginia, Green Bay Packers in Dallas. And then a heavy dog, the Colts Sunday night football at Kansas City in the playoff rematch. Uh, We'll see how those underdogs do. My friend, thank you. Great to see you in person uh, last week. Yeah. Great weekend all the way around with my Buccaneers putting the 55 points on the Rams. Can't complain at all about being in Southern California last week. And it's always (laughs) good to chat with you on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, Sean. Awesome, DJ. Thanks for always. it. It has been way too long since I have gotten the chance to mix it up with this guy. If they're is another individual that knows more about sports in general, but college football in specific, and can quote you dates, facts, and figures than this guy. I don't know who it is. In 30 years in this business, that's why he goes by the moniker Stats. He is Brett Stats Norsworthy. Uh, he uh, hosts along with my bud Dave Woloshin on uh, the weekday afternoons in Memphis, over-the-air radio, Sports 56, WHBQ stats good to have you after that build-up college football rolling we're rolling into october good to have you i know we're pumped
0: i am i am i I have enjoyed this year so far celebrating the 150th year of college football tj i fell in love with college football as a seven-year-old 50 years ago during the 100th (laughs) celebration of college football so that 50 years went quickly and i think that 50 years was really marked by southern college football Domination, And not just the SEC, but when you factor in what Clemson's been doing, what FSU's doing, and of course Texas and Oklahoma, kind of in the Southwest, I think the last 50 years of college football has really been dominated by Southern college football and how many times they've won it. I think it's been 34 out of the 50 that a team from the South has won the national championship in that time. That's easy math, that's 68%. I went to public schools and I know that. But in in, in in 1969, that year I fell in love on October 4th. It was this weekend, not the exact date because the Saturday's the 5th. But this weekend, 1969, October 4th, was the primetime college football game between Alabama and Coach Bear Bryant and Ole Miss and Coach Johnny Balk and Archie Manning, the quarterback for Ole Miss on the Saturday night primetime game, Chris Shankle, Bill Fleming, Bud Wilkinson, Bill Fleming was on the sideline. Bud Wilkinson was the analyst, the venerable ex-Oklahoma coach who made one of the dumbest career moves ever, left Oklahoma football to get into politics. Got <laughs> great and, and ended up the football, the coach of the football, St. Louis Cardinals. Bad career move for Bud Wilkinson, but a great broadcast team with the the old Hoosier, Chris Schenkel. and I fell in love that night with the, Redhead from Drew, Mississippi, and Archie Manning, and the guy in the funny hat, Coach Paul Bear Bryant.
2: And it's been a 50-year marriage ever since, and here's to 50 more uh, for all of us to be watching all of this college football. Um, Okay, so speaking of Alabama and Ole Miss, let's begin right there. And one of Stats' duties is he's part of the Ole Miss radio coverage. And look, going into the game, nobody expected that Ole Miss was going to be able to win at Tuscaloosa. It would have been a a Buster Douglas-type upset if they had been able to pull it off. You saw Alabama firsthand. You saw Tua light it up uh, in that game. Tell me what you saw out of them and how good you think they are or might be.
0: Well, in following and watching Alabama all these years, I I have seen, I think, the the best Alabama quarterback ever, and that's Tua Tonga Below. And I don't think it's even any doubt, not just the obliteration of the record book, the evisceration of the Alabama record book that he's done, but his poise, his composure, all the passes, the scrambling ability. He has a good offensive line, but he has a great foursome of wide receivers. People ask me if this Alabama team, or even last year before they got beat by Clemson, was it the best ever? And I've consistently said, no, I don't think it's the best ever. I think Coach Saban has had better teams at Alabama than this one in 2019, and that one that rolled along much of the 2018 season. But it it is the best uh, foursome at wide receiver, they could be a relay team. I mean, all four of them play in the NFL. And Devontae Smith, Ole Miss just didn't have anybody that could, that, could, that could run with him. When he when he took the top off the defense, he was gone. And the 10-7 lead at the end of the first quarter, it felt very much like a period victory. But I was proud of how hard Ole Miss played and competed. Alabama's just too much for most everybody in the SEC West. It'll be a good game when they play LSU at home in November at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but Nick Saban's not getting beat at home by LSU and Ed Orgeron, and then it'll be a real contest when Alabama goes to the Plains on Thanksgiving weekend to play Auburn. Auburn won there two years ago, and I think Auburn's defensive front right now is a little nastier than Alabama's, but Alabama's really good, and in them they should be around at the end like they always are.
2: Well, you made uh, reference here to Auburn. We're going to talk about them in a second. But just uh, look, I know we're slanted towards the SEC. I get that. Uh, I live in the South. You live in the South. We've grown up with it. But uh, it is a knockdown, down drag-out Southeastern conference, especially SEC West right now, it seems like, every year. When you contemplate and consider that kind of round-robin here that LSU, Auburn, Alabama have to play each other in the regular season, Georgia and Florida on a collision course later in the year in Jacksonville, the winner more than likely wins the East. And, oh, what's your reward if you get through the gauntlet, those five teams? you got to play an SEC title game, too. Uh, no wonder the SEC always gets one, if not two, teams in the college football playoff. This is just going to be a lot of fun to watch unfold. And you wonder, again, how much does it take out of uh, one of those teams that's battling to get to the championship game and win the championship game? Because it's going to be a lot of tough ones, especially the SEC West team, Brett, and how much they have to go yeah. through, including winning the title game.
0: Well, in, in the very real possibility of a matchup for a second time with, a, say, an Alabama-Georgia meet, in Atlanta first weekend in December, and then they they run into each other in the in the playoffs, maybe even in the finals. That could happen. I know the rest of college football, and I don't blame them. I know they have serious SEC and Southern college football fatigue. I know they do. I only I only know one way they can change that narrative. I, one way, and that would be to win, to beat them, and, and 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 prop their teams up. But the SEC, I don't like the eight game conference schedule. I do think it should be nine. I like how Ohio State does that, and I I love how some teams never play an FCS team. I think it is disgraceful to your ticket-buying public to charge them full freight for a team. The SEC should never be playing one. 130 teams playing college football find you a non-conference opponent that is at least FBS.
2: Well, and, and that's got to be an edict, I guess, uh, from the ADs, from Greg Sankey, the commissioner, and that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you still yeah, leave I- open whoever wants to try to do it uh, under, under the rules, under the strength of schedule. <clears throat> we'll see how that part... Uh, plays out in and, future scheduling and that kind of stuff. But I, I understand why why they want an easy opponent. Sometimes, though, it's you can't have it both ways. I know what you're saying. You can't have too easy an opponent and then and then gripe and complain when no one cares and no one wants to come to that game and no one wants to pay full price for it.
0: You know, TJ, it's almost like the marketplace really works. It's almost like supply and demand really works. I don't want to go <laughs> see those games, and people have, have unplugged from them. And I have talked to a lot of either – disaffected or not as rabid as they used to be fans, and they all, to a person, this has to be frightening for administrators that once you quit going, once you get out of that habit of, all right, I'm going to five out of seven home games or six out of seven or all seven, but once you scale it back to one or two or even none, to a man, woman, and child, they all tell me, once you quit going, you get used to not going. And that's got to be frightening for administrators. A good SEC non-conference game this weekend is probably not getting a lot of play. And it is a battle of great quarterbacks. Utah State going to LSU with Jordan Love at quarterback for Utah State against Joe Burrow. I don't think Utah State will beat them, but I think they can play them close.
2: Well, and they have in the past uh, hung in there uh, with Tennessee and with others in the SEC. It's interesting, you know this, I'm going to New Orleans with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Sunday game at the Superdome, and we're leaving Saturday afternoon, so we'll be arriving as that game is ending, because it's always interesting to be in the French quarter in and around when LSU's playing. A lot of times they've been playing in the afternoon or a night game, so I, I wonder while we're flying if you, if the Aggies of Utah State are giving them trouble or not, I know, I know this, will be on the ground in time to catch most of Auburn and Florida, the CBS Big Showcase SEC game that the whole country will see this weekend. Uh, I like the Gators in this spot at home. However, I have a feeling you're disagreeing with me about the Auburn Tigers here in this matchup. What about its stats?
0: Yeah, I, I love Auburn in this game because I, I love their defense. I think it's it's a little better than Florida. Now, Florida, that's the strong side of the Gators. And for Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen is some coach. And what he's doing with Kyle Trask, what he already had accomplished with the development of Felipe Franks before that, it shows how good he is with quarterbacks, how he was at Mississippi State with Dak Prescott and a couple others at State, Nick Fitzgerald included, at at Mississippi State for Dan Mullen. But I love the Auburn run game, and I like the freshman quarterback in in Bo Nix. And I had an Alabama person tell me last weekend, if they're really concerned about having to go to Auburn Thanksgiving weekend and face Bo Nix, even as a freshman, because he's not going to be too amped up and nervous in that game because he literally has been around the Iron Bowl since he cut jaw teeth as a child. I mean, it's just all <laughs> in note with his, with, with his dad, Patrick Nix, a, a great Auburn player. And, and so Bo Nix has really had the steady hand for Gus Malzahn We've always wondered if, when when Gus gets his right quarterback, whether it was at Arkansas as a as a coordinator or at Auburn as a coordinator or as an Auburn head coach. When he gets that guy, he's comfortable with. He's really he's really sound, and I think on game day, his offensive formations, his motions, his eye candy. There's got there's <laughs> guys going everywhere, but it's all kind of you know, it, it's all just kind of trying to throw off the defense. Because in the end, you got all these guys going in motion, and here it comes right over the center. It's coming right at you. It's, it's power football in the end
2: voice of Brett Norsworthy. Love stats and the great job he does. Memphis over-the-air radio, Wolo and Stats are the afternoon show on the Memphis radio station, Sports 56 WHBQ. Love his insight on college football, in specific, the SEC breaking it down. He is going to make an underdog prediction that's not involving SEC teams uh, in a little bit. Uh, I want to ask you one more kind of uh, big, big picture. Again, with the understanding that we're in the South. So those that are listening in Big Ten country, out West, they roll their eyes at us. I get it. It appears, now North Carolina almost found a way to mess this up uh, late in the game with Clemson, but it it appears we're headed to Clemson and Alabama, all things being equal, being in the Final Four mix again. Do you believe it is still good for college football to have those same two teams back yet again, which would be what, the fifth time in six years in the playoff uh, together. Uh, is is that good Is or is it starting to be a situation where it's a negative even though they're attaining it, even though they deserve it? Is it potentially being a negative all over the country? What's your read? I,
0: I, as I said earlier, I think that the SEC fatigue, the Southern College football fatigue uh, is is very real, but there's only one way to change it. I want the best rewarded. But in a perfect world, and I love when it, when ESPN catches it or uh, we we catch it as being you know water carriers and bootlickers for the SEC and for the South. No, that's how it. In the end, it all shakes out. But in a perfect world, I think they would love a, a USC, a Notre Dame, a Texas, and maybe somebody from the ACC or the SEC go regionally across the country. If you had the ideal Final Four. But the basketball tournament never gets the ideal Final Four. I mean, last year, Auburn was in the basketball (laughs) Final Four with with Texas Tech, Virginia, and Michigan State. So, you know, it's how it shakes out. But Part Five, Clemson, Alabama, will really force, I think, a lot of people to pay attention to maybe we need to expand. But one thing that would move expansion faster than anything, and it will make Big Ten heads collectively explode and maybe across college football explode, What if the unthinkable, the SEC, got not one, not two,
2: but three of the fourth spots? I don't know that you can give three. I don't know that you can give two non-winners, because two of them have to be non-winners of the conference. Uh, spots in there, we'll, but again, the the CFP committee led by Rob Mullins, the Oregon Athletic Director, they say every year we're looking for the four best teams. It's not built on conference champions. It's not the four best records. It's the four best yeah. teams. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Okay, week, so so go ahead. Yes, anything else?
0: Yeah, and this week, you know, Heather Dennis, you know, very respected journalists and college, particularly, I think her expertise right now is the CFP. And she has just been crushed all week in saying that right now, today, today, and I know it changes in the goalpost move. But she said if she had to re- if she had to name her four best teams, it would all be from the SEC. She may be wow. she may be wrong on that. How would you like, not? Can I just stop though?
2: How would you not include Oklahoma in the in the? I mean, for right now, for what we've seen, Oklahoma's got to be in the initial four um, to this point, right? do you agree with that? they gotta be i
0: I think Oklahoma, and I don't know how you leave out Clemson. I mean, I know they had the narrow win last week, but they did win, and that is the objective, isn't it?
2: Yes, well, and they and they have an impressive win over texas a and m albeit at home earlier in the year, so a, le- a lot of football left to be played. And, and now. I, I didn't to- say I agreed with Heather. That's I right. I, I understand. Agreed, you Heather. just said it's her opinion and, and it's not yours, but, uh, yeah, it just rankles people more. They, they love the debate. That's the biggest thing. You and I know this. We keep explaining this. They want the arguing. The college football power brokers, the powers that be, the ESPNs, the CBSs, the college football playoff, they want the arguing. The arguing they, they fuels do. interest stats.
0: It, it, it's good for business, and T.J., I'm, I'm not so sure right now, and I don't say this gleefully, it, it may be a good good debate, a good pod question right now. Which one is the more national sport, the more national sport, college football or college basketball? For a long time, that was an easy answer for college basketball. It was much more intersectional. It was much, it was much more national with the matchups, and, and the and the tournament really fed it. But I'm not so sure right now. That college football might not have the you know moving the national needle uh, on on conversation and and the and the matchups and the rivalries. I mean the SEC. I mean we're not the little old SEC anymore. We literally span from Columbia to Columbia
2: now. (laughs) Right, Missouri to South Carolina, uh, Baton Rouge to Lexington, and. Uh, Gainesville to Fayetteville. So, yeah, it's got a yeah. it's got a big Southern footprint for sure. Now, we are going to show some non-SEC love here as part of Three Dog Thursday, the underdog podcast. That's Norsworthy with me. Uh, you can follow him at Brett Norsworthy, by the way, on Twitter. And you said to me, it's not a game involving an SEC team that I like as an underdog. So what do you like for this weekend on the first weekend of October here for an underdog in college football, sir?
0: And there's there's no better setting in all of college football. I've never been there, but I would love to. I mean, when you see the the over the 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 blimp shot of the big house, you know it's a big game. And Iowa, they go in there undefeated this week. They're getting points. I think they have a better quarterback than 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 Michigan. And I and here is real heresy. I think Kirk Ferentz is a better coach than Jim (laughs) Harbaugh. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a and, and, that's a tough debate
2: that's a tough debate but hey Har- for, harbaugh for college football. harbaugh's got like a foot in the grave right now on his michigan situation and, and they need a a win here because if if somehow what you're saying happens they're going to be a lot of people saying we need somebody else besides jim harbaugh correct
0: correct and there's so much i respect about the iowa football program and kirk ferentz you look over the last 40 years from 1979 to the 2019 season, and I, I think it'll go beyond that. They've had two coaches. They had Hayden Fry, Shades Fry, always had his sunglasses on. <laughs> right. They had Hayden. had Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferrance. I tell my friends around the SEC, my old Miss friends, my Arkansas friends, now developing at Tennessee, we're just going to change coaches every three or four years. We don't like the way they part their hair. We don't like the way they. They, they don't wear a tie enough. They, don't, they wear a tie too much. I mean, we want to fire a coach for any reason we can, you know, at, at Ole Miss, Arkansas, Tennessee, and some other places in the SEC. And I was had two head coaches over 40 years. They go to Rose Bowls occasionally, but occasionally they know, all right, let's accept that five and seven or six and six and not jump crazy and just stay the long course, the long plan, the long view, the macro, instead of always trying to find the, you know, the, the next hot thing. I respect the Iowa program. I think they went straight up to the big house this weekend. They remain undefeated. Jim Harbaugh has his second loss, and the heat's really turned up. It would be crazy to fire him. Who are they going to replace at Michigan with somebody better than Jim Harbaugh? Nobody. But can you believe Michigan has been reduced to, well, we can't find anybody better, so let's ride it out.
2: Well, and they are paying him over $9 million a year, and he doesn't seem like he ever wins the biggest games on the schedule, hasn't won the Big Ten division, much less the championship, and a loss already to Wisconsin. If they were to lose this one like you're theorizing here and you're taking on Three Dog Thursday, it virtually eliminates them from the, from the Big Ten title game in October. Uh, we'll see. can't October. Yeah, uh, it, if it, if it would happen. And on your point about... <clears throat> Ferrance, uh again, you you can say, hey, we want to win the national championship every year. We want to win the Big Ten <clears throat> every year. They get eight or nine wins as they've done the last three years. They got twelve wins four years ago. You could do a lot worse, which is what your point is about Tennessee. They got very uh, complacent, frustrated with we can't win more than eight or nine games and can't contend or win the SEC every year. Well, now look what you've had uh, in the 2010s. Look at how bad it has been in the 2010s. Be careful what you wish for when you're getting rid of somebody that has constantly had you contending or at least having winning seasons uh, where you can enjoy most of your Saturdays Uh, Iowa's content with that. Ferentz is content with still staying there. He's got a great contract. He's had a great contract. There's something to be said for that part. I don't know that I go along with this, Doggy, but I like you out on the limb. I'll throw you a lifeline if need be there. Iowa plus the three and a half at Michigan. That's an early game on Fox. We'll keep an eye on that one. Mr. Stats Norsworthy, plug away on how and where they hear you on your show, what you're doing with Ole Miss, social media. Go ahead again, sir. On Twitter at
0: Brett Norsworthy, on air, on WHBQ at sports56, WHBQ.com, podcast, video, all that with our friend Dave Willotion, the voice of the Tigers, venerable sports figure in Memphis over 40 year career in the Memphis market, approaching 40 years. He's almost like Kirk Ferentz <laughs> and Hayes Fried, Iowa. He, but there's just been one of him and at old miss pregame and postgame on Learfield IMG College Sports.
2: And I will tell you this, uh, publicly to the audience on Three Dog Thursday. You won't find two finer guys, two finer dudes than Wolo and Stats who have for far too long befriended and mentored TJ Reeves. So I say thank you publicly to Stats and to Wolo for that. catch it catch them in memphis all the time uh in the afternoons there and let's see what happens it gets good uh in this month of october and then it gets great in november for college football for the sec promise me that we get to do this again before the year is over with in the college football season please pretty please can i have you again later you in the year? stats
0: you got you got it for sure you know it's my favorite month the month the beautiful sunup beautiful sunset baseball and college football my favorite month of the year
2: Oh yeah, we're getting ready for another weekend. It is Locktober, like I said earlier in the show. We're getting ready for another weekend of college football. We're getting ready for another weekend of the NFL. And the guys on the Winning Cures Everything podcast are always keeping it in line, keeping it in the middle of the road and making some picks and prognostications. not just underdogs on their show, favorites, totals, money lines, all of it. Chris Giannini from that uh, ever popular and growing Winning Cures Everything podcast and YouTube simulcast is here with me. Good to have you back. All right, now look, up front, you got something to live up to because Gary Seegers was here last week and Seegers got Boston College and he had the Lions and the seven points against the Chiefs, so he came up with two out of his three underdogs. I'm just saying the bar has been elevated a little bit here, my friend. That
0: that seems to be a light bit better than my 0-4 <laughs> week. So, uh, we'll see if, uh, we'll see if I, can, I can catch O'Gare
2: here. We are only looking forward, my friend. We are not looking back in the rearview mirror on any past offers because I think you and I were, it was a bloodbath a couple of weeks ago. We, we were trying to be better. Uh, so now we'll see where things uh, shape up for this week. So with that being said, give me a college football underdog that you like, sir.
0: Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm proud of my guy, Gary, for giving you BC. He gets that from me. I am a Boston <laughs> College guy. I love Steve Adazio, big Italian man. He uh, he is running things there. Listen, they've played a really great season so far. They got ran out of the house against Kansas early on. That was just one of those I can't explain. But then they went toe-to-toe with Wake Forest. Wake Forest is going to it. Wake Forest might be undefeated all the way up until Clemson. That's a good football team. And they gave them all they wanted, covered the line. I think they're going to go into Louisville, who is a bad football team. Gary and I have rules. We bet against bad football teams. I have no idea why this line is six points. But I will take the six-point head start and V.C. Golden Knights, uh, Golden Eagles, and 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 go into the Cardinals and, uh, and I'll take
2: that game How about that? Early game, ACC Network again, Boston College with A.J. Dillon at running back and Louisville hung in against Florida State earlier this year. Of course, Notre Dame very famously demolished them on Labor Day night in Louisville, wore them down and beat them badly uh, We'll see Scott Satterfield in his first season in that one so that's an intriguing one all right, so sometimes we take some slight underdogs. Sometimes we take some dogs that are some hairy hound dogs with fleas. And I believe you have one of those that's coming right now, Chris. This this is the the
0: doggiest ugly dog pick there is all week. I I just can't stay away from it. I'm, I'm attracted to it like no others. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh. 28 points against Penn State and I've got some reasons okay
2: okay well first first before you get into these reasons I know you guys (laughs) on your show debated this and you were being chastised on winning cures everything and I should just I applaud you because you're standing up here on three dog Thursday and saying I'm sticking to my guns so give me your guns give me your reasons why
0: yeah I'm I'm definitely standing on this hill by myself and and I would venture to say that 80% of the country is looking at me like I'm a fool but here here we go. First thing it's a math problem, okay? I, I believe that some players are special in college football. And and I absolutely believe the wide receiver Moore is incredibly special and he is out of this game. This line opened up at plus sixteen. And when he went out, it went to plus twenty eight. I don't believe <laughs> any single player in all of college football is worth twelve.
2: Not not even Tua, not even Trevor Lawrence, but, none of them, huh? Oh,
0: Oh, no. All the talent that they've got on both of those rosters, those are NFL teams, basically. All of those starters are going to play on Sundays one day. They could lose one of them and then not kill the point 12 points. Nobody's worth 12 points in the country. And it's just not. And I can't imagine a wide receiver above anybody else. Jeff Brom is a really good coach with a lot of pride. They, they have not had a good season winning and losing games. Nobody's blowing them out, nobody's beating them by 28. Penn State n State ran it up on Maryland. James Franklin does not like Maryland. He he they, he's, he's jaded by them. He wanted that job a while back. They didn't. They passed on him. He and, and I think he takes that job personally. Every that game personally every year, and and he sticks it to them. Statistically, I just don't think he's going to stick it to Purdue. If he beats them by three touchdowns. I'm fine. I just can't see four.
2: All right, so he's taking a boatload, a cruise ship full of points with Purdue plus the 28 in this matchup with Penn State. And again, Uh, one of our guests last week went with Maryland and uh, it was a first round Mike Tyson knockout by Penn State last Friday night against Maryland so hopefully you fare better my friend hopefully you're at least still in this thing at halftime for that for that dog Uh, I want to ask you about Auburn and Florida that is obviously an enormous game in the SEC and also in in the landscape with Auburn unbeaten Florida unbeaten somebody walks out of the swamp with a loss I really like the Gators here even though Auburn Auburn very much tested with the neutral field win against Oregon that we've been talking about on this podcast, the win at Texas A&M, obviously a big win over Mississippi State last week. Chris, size size it up here. Give me me 30 to 60 seconds on this.
0: So I'm one of the guys that all year I've been on Auburn, uh, all week, all year. uh, I think they're one of the most complete SEC teams, one of the most complete teams in the country. Even Ohio State, their defense hasn't really been tested. They haven't played a great offense. And their offense hasn't been tested. They haven't played a great defense. They're one of the best teams in the country. Alabama, same thing. LSU, they've been tested, and and their defense gets scored on pretty easily. This Auburn team, they're able to put up points when they need to, and they've played some big-time showdown games, and and their defense can stand up against anybody. I am afraid of what they're going to make. Mr trash look like trash look like I, I'm very very nervous about that. I will be staying away from that auburn game um it's it, it's a nice feeling to catch points in Florida
2: but yes
0: it, 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 this auburn defense is scary good they might be the most complete best defense in the
2: country well and to your point they've only been an underdog in the swamp one time in the last four seasons and that was a year ago against LSU and they won the game obviously uh with Mullen in his first year the previous years Jim McIlwain uh was there as the head coach and they had not been an underdog in the swamp in any of those years so it's rare that you get Florida as a home doggy so in any event uh, we'll see how that one plays out All right. Uh, again Chris Giannini with me he and Gary Seegers do a great job on the Winning Cures Everything podcast winningcureseverything.com also at Winning Cures on social media, on Twitter on Instagram, Winning Cures Facebook page and the YouTube simulcast of their show, love their insight, they are on all the time recapping games, making picks not just underdogs, Chris giving me some underdogs, let's turn to the National Football League. Uh, all right, I know you're not going to go with my Buccaneers this week. You already tipped me. You're not going Bucks at the Superdome. You know where my allegiance lies as part of the Buccaneer radio broadcast. Give me an honest, neutral take on Buccaneers and what kind of chance they have against a Saints team that is suddenly surprised without Drew Brees and won in Seattle and beat the Cowboys at home. What's your take about that game? Not that you have to take the Bucks as an underdog. What do you think happens in the Superdome Sunday? Man, I'm actually
0: really excited to watch this game. I, I have no idea what's gonna happen, but I know this. That that Bucks offense was really good. Byron Lefwich is a real coach. He's he's incredible what he's doing with this offense. And and I mean, all the points they dropped last week without their best offensive weapon on the, on the outside, Mike Evans, um uh, you know, for the game, I, I, I just think I just think what he's doing and how he's worked with Jameis has has kind of been impressive. I love Bruce Arians. The Saints' defense has been unbelievable. When Drew went down, they have stepped up their game like I've never seen. My question is, is that sustainable? Are you going to be able to keep doing that year in and year out, week in and week out, uh, when everybody's coming in bringing you their best? Because they've been the best team in the NFC South for a couple of years now, and everybody's giving them their best shot trying to take that podium back. Man, I think the Bucs have a fighting chance. They're not afraid of the Superdome. They're just
2: not. One there a year ago in the opener with Fitzmagic throwing all the bombs on the Saints. I have one there previously and recently, a couple of other times in the Superdome. Jameis Winston's first NFL win came in the Superdome. Remember the famous blowout loss to Marcus Mariota and the Titans week one his rookie season with Mariota also as the rookie second overall pick. They went to the Superdome the next week and beat Drew Brees and the Saints with Jameis Winston at quarterback, so... We'll see. It will be a jacked atmosphere. As I like to say, Chris, it'll be a four Advil game. Two before the game, two after the game for all the sound and the noise that'll be in there on the sidelines. So we'll see how that one goes. All right. So you don't uh you don't want to take my Buccaneers as the as the road underdog there. You like another road underdog, though, for NFL purposes and three dog Thursday purposes. Where are you going?
0: I like the Indianapolis Colts. I've been on them all season. I think ah. they good football. And uh they are catching over double digits, and I just think that is that is insane to me that this is a math problem this is not a football problem This is a team that is going to compete for a playoff spot for their division and or a wild card all year long. They're going to be in the mix. they're a really good football team and and they should not be laying eleven or catching eleven points to anybody. The chiefs are good, but the chiefs haven't been great i mean. Even games where they've won big against the Raiders. They beat up the Raiders. They scored 28 points in one quarter. They didn't score again the three other quarters. Like, they've been stymied. They've been shut down this year by other teams. And and other people have scored on them and given them football games. I think the Colts on Sunday Night Football are going to do that. There are three teams that will be catching double-digit points all year long. That's the Dolphins. That's the Redskins. That's the Jets. It's not the Colts. And I I can't understand why this
2: line is so bad. Interesting that Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast on this podcast earlier said similar things. He doesn't understand why that number is this high. Again, like you like to joke and I like to joke, they build billion-dollar facilities and casinos in Vegas because we all think that we know, they actually know. But that does seem a little bit high to me. And Jacoby Prezett has played very well. The the question is, can T.Y. Hilton play? We're midweek. We don't know if he's going to be in there with the quad injury that had him inactive last week uh chiefs may may get tyreek hill back he was able to practice on wednesday with the uh, the fractured uh shoulder uh it may may or may not play this week it's a sunday night game it's a playoff rematch we'll see what happens with the colts in that one uh chris i always love the inside plug away one more time for the winning cures everything podcast so we can hear more of you and gary and all the picks and the guests and everything you do
0: we sure appreciate it. So, winningcureseverything.com is the email or, or just our website. You can go there and find us on any podcast, network, station, uh, download, streaming, whatever you like to use at Winning Cures Everything. we can find us at Winning Cures Everything on YouTube. And then our Twitter handle is at Winning Cures. My Twitter handle is just at Chris BG and any. Uh, and yeah, we do it every week.
2: These guys make pre-predictions, obviously, in the NFL and college uh, across the board. Favorites, underdogs, totals. They do post-shows where they recap things. Again, they simulcast as well on YouTube. You can see them. They're obviously movie stars. If you see them and take a look at them on the Winning Cures Everything, simulcast (laughs) on YouTube. Chris Giannini, good luck with Boston College. Purdue on Saturday in college, and then the Indianapolis Colts uh, in the Sunday night game with the Chiefs. Good luck with those underdogs, young man. We appreciate it on Three Dog Thursday. Thanks, sir. There we go. That will do it. A litany of guests all the way back at the beginning of the podcast. My thanks to Ben Maller of Fox Sports Radio, the Ben Maller Show, the Maller Militia that's always out overnights, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific, Sunday through Thursday nights. Love Ben's Insight. On, uh, on all things, but in particular football. Love have, having him on the show. Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast was also with us with his underdogs this week. Again, pay attention because Sean hit on two of his NFL underdogs uh, last week. Again, the Sports Gambling Podcast under Gambling Podcast on Twitter. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and find out more about their show. Again, they pick everything, not just underdogs. They pick favorites. They pick. Ah, uh, first half lines under over totals Sports gambling podcast. He and Ryan do a great job with that. My thanks also to Brett Norsworthy. sports fifty six, WHBQ is the radio station in Memphis. He and Dave Wollostion are the afternoon host. Stats with some great insight on the SEC. How about him going Iowa Hawkeyes? Early Saturday underdog. Uh, for Iowa at Michigan in the three and a half. So Stats goes outside the SEC and takes the, as Brett Musburger always called them, the Hawkeyes, like H-O-C-K, Hawkeyes. Uh, He likes Iowa in that one. Uh, Again, we thank Brett Norsworthy for being here. And then Chris Giannini closing the show, Winning Cures Everything podcast. He and Gary Segers, great job on their podcast. Go find them. Go subscribe to Winning Cures Everything wherever you find podcasts. They're also on YouTube, simulcast TV and podcast audio show. At Winning Cures, they have me on as a guest. I don't know why. They like my charming personality. Hey, I I made some successful underdog picks uh, last week. I love coming on with them. Again, find them at Winning Cures on social media for Chris. And Chris, again, likes Boston College and Purdue in the college game and likes the Indianapolis Colts. A couple of our guests like the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, for this weekend. Sean Green liking them as well as Chris Giannini liking them in the Sunday night game for the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the Giants in that matchup with the Vikings come Sunday at home. Daniel Jones playing well. Minnesota with some infighting. Give me the Giants as my as my underdog uh, there for Three Dog Thursday purposes, and I'll take the Florida Gators against the Auburn Tigers uh, in that big matchup on CBS on Saturday. Again, depending on when you're listening to the podcast, you already know these results, especially if you listen a little bit later on. Uh, and I also like West Virginia to keep it close, if not beat Texas. I will take the 10.5 or 11 points wherever you can find it on Three Dog Thursday here on Thursday. So those are my three, West Virginia, Florida, and then the New York Giants. All right, a reminder again, subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, find it and subscribe. It comes automatically to you on Thursday whenever there is a new one. Uh, we come your way each and every Thursday throughout the college football and NFL seasons. It'll morph eventually into college basketball coming up. My thanks to all of the guests being on the show. We thank you for listening as well. A reminder to go to mybookie.ag. If you're wagering on the games, use our promo code 3DOG. They'll match your initial bonus, the number 3 and D O G. MyBookie, M Y B O O K I E. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code 3DOG. They'll match your initial bonus up to a thousand dollars with my bookie they're proud sponsors of the show that'll do it for this edition of three dog thursday my thanks to all of our guests for being with us my thanks to you for listening good luck to all of the pickers the prognostications with the underdogs this week in college football and the nfl on three dog thursday bye